0: Right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Motor City Metrics podcast. We have the whole crew here on a Monday night for Chris, Raj, and myself talking some Tigers today. We're going to talk about the Mariners series and preview the two-game set against the Pirates. Thank you, everyone, for joining us in the chat. And if you want to, you guys can leave a super chat. And at the the end of the podcast, we will go over those if you have any questions or comments you want to add. But yes, Tigers dropped two out of three to the Mariners. Offense struggled a bit. Oh, we do have
1: out. a sounder, by the way. If you do send a super chat in, we do have a sounder for it. Nice. Exquisite.
0: Okay. So
1: <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, yeah, because we have another one, but I saved that for Sunday night. But anyway, good to you.
0: Yes. Thank you all for subscribing and checking out the podcast. You can find the podcast on any podcast platform Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get it at. But yeah, if we want to talk about our takeaways, I'm going to start with Mr. Euper down there. Euper, what are you thinking about that series against Seattle?
2: Well, series. I got to watch quite a bit of it. And my takeaway is I think the Mariners have a chance to be really good. I think eventually they're going to hit some kind of stride this summer and win a whole lot of ball games. That pitching staff, we didn't even get to see George Kirby. He's shutting out the Red Sox tonight through six innings last night. So I, I was pretty impressed with the Mariners overall. It was good to see the Tigers fight back and fall behind early on Sunday and come back and win that game. It showed that they were, they were in, in it for the fight, and they got things done. But Badu had double. That was a great swing by him. That was pretty impressive. So that was a fun moment of the day for me. Baton coming through with the clutch hit by pitch. It was all right, too. So I was going to the light. shower.
3: Sorry.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm I heard people laughing. Yes. I'm sorry. Sorry you for what you're saying. Oh, no, it's that. That was it. Good. Oh, gotcha. What about you, Chris?
3: Yeah, it was, it was an unfortunate weekend for the starting pitching. Boyd obviously was disastrous. Wentz couldn't do a whole lot, but the bullpen pulled through and it was nice to see some of that fight on, from offense, the offensive side of the things on, on Sunday. And really, I think they came into that series, I think with a game plan, it wasn't necessarily bad. People were getting really frustrated on Saturday night by how quick the outs were, but they, you know, they came in there expecting to see a lot of fastballs from Bryce Miller because that's what he's thrown so far this year. And he mixed everything up on them. but they still, they didn't strike out a ton. It wasn't like they were getting dominated. They just weren't making hard contact. It's hard contact in the right way. And it's, sometimes that's just one of those things that happens. It's a, it's a young starter with some kind of elite stuff. If you will and he just perplexed them so that was a bummer but overall i think to you's point that is a good team we talked about it on thursday and and the offense have been disappointing so far but it's those are a bunch of good hitters on that team we saw julio rodriguez break out kind of in a big way in the the first game yeah i don't know i'm glad they were able to salvage one game it's a bummer to lose a series but not the end of the world
0: and mr rogelio what did you see in the series against seattle
1: I saw Alex Fado to continue his good pitching that he had down in Toledo. Some of the numbers might not indicate that, but I think after he got his footing, he was working on reworking his mechanics because in spring training, he had a terrible spring. But down in Toledo, he was located, he started locating his fastball better, getting better action on his slider. And he came through to a pretty quality start on Saturday despite the loss. The two home runs do hurt a little bit, but still, nevertheless. Between him and Akil Badu, which there was a question about, skip the, about Badu skipping a question from Evan Petzold. we'll address that here shortly. But overall, I think the the big, it, it, it will not get swept by the Mariners. I'll take that any day. Because as you said, and he's truly correct, Mariners are damn good. This is a team that out West where, you know, with Houston having Altuve, who's currently on rehab assignment right now, Seattle has been, Taken, I'm surprised Seattle hasn't taken more advantage of it, but this is a team that I think you give them a trade that you know how they are with their the DePito pedo, the pedo or um, depot. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to make a move at the trade deadline to make his team better, yeah. and he is going to address that. And somehow, some way, he'll hook it, swindle somebody. So yeah, Seattle, I thought Seattle was one of the better teams they played this year, and they yeah, still t- lot. They took one out of three. I'm sorry, I thought I'm gonna talk over it.
2: That lineup is just so interesting to me that you keep going guy after guy. Oh, he can hurt you. Then the next time, oh, he can hurt you. As opposed to what we watch with the Tigers every night. Somebody might hurt you occasionally once a week. (laughs) (laughs) There's just Teoscar Hernandez, Jared Kalinan, Rodriguez, even Cal Raleigh, who has two massive bombs tonight in Fenway Park for home runs. They just keep throwing Crawford. They just keep throwing guys up there that can do damage. And I think at some point this summer, they go on a run and win 15 out of 19 and, and do some damage in that Western division.
3: And that just reminded me of, uh, I don't remember if it was, it was at Saturday night when Kalanick hit the home run and uh, who else? There was another big home run. I think that was Saturday night, right? The, the Fido start? Yeah. Yeah. And that was a game where I think the Tigers had three barrels in that game. Green, Torkelson, and Ibanez, and they were all out. Meanwhile, Seattle had won, I think, and managed to get two home runs. <laughs> it's just like, ah, uh, that's just the luck of it, right? Like, the, the great and torque both squared up a ball really well. It just happened to be in the wrong part. And Kellenick just tucked one in the foul bowl. It's just the you know, luck of the draw.
0: Yeah. I described the Mariners as like a sleeping giant in a way. And their offense wasn't too crazy, but I don't know. My main takeaway was just the Tigers pitching really seemed to struggle against the Mariners. Obviously, Matt Boyd Joey Wentz really struggled. What did you guys see out of? And Alex Fideo as well. I know we want to talk about him. What did you guys see out of those three in particular? Boyd obviously really struggling with his command. Joey Winch couldn't get through three innings. And then Fideo I think has looked like a different pitcher this year. What is your guys' kind of thoughts on their three starts and what we could see from them moving forward?
1: Because this actually answers a question in the chat, which says, is there any other starting pitcher in Toledo that can take one's spot? The answer is no. No. Reese Olsen. Is struggling still with command right oh. now. And <laughs> yeah, that's right. You really? saw him live. So yeah, you can attest to that. Oof. And yeah, <laughs> and he, I still think he is a reliever risk, but even down in double A, I'm not going to, this might sound a little of a, a stretch, but if Ty Madden continues to pitch well, it wouldn't surprise me if you see Ty Madden here by the end of the year. Honestly, oh, I agree. It's, Madden pitched this week against the Flying Swirls, five innings. One hit. I think he had seven strikeouts. Brett Hurler, I think, also might fit in that category, but I still think he's too much of a soft toss and lefty to get to major leagues. I don't know, Chris, you might disagree with me on that, but honestly, there is nobody down in Toledo that can solve yeah. the rotation problem. Nobody, and you have Tarek School coming back, so you could, in theory, replace School, do that healthy. Oh, you have a healthy pitcher, and and that comes to the trade, but always that. Pollyanna point of view you always hear sometimes, but no, I I think the answer lies in somewhere in Erie. I think Ty continues to pitch the way he is. Right now Erie's at a five-inning limit right now, but Chris, I I don't know about you, but I just, that's my theory about at least Madden or Brett
3: or Hurdler. Yeah, you talked about they've got Gunther well, yeah, and that's
1: the, right. The, Sean Gunther's down in Lakeland. I forgot about that. Yeah, on ball. the rehab
3: path, but yeah, he only pitched one inning the other day, so he's probably looking yeah, he's at pitched, another mark.
1: Yeah, two one inning start. He was the opener, in other words.
3: So the, I don't even. They may be planning on him being a bullpen guy, but with Alex Pinedo, what we saw is who he's been at times. When he's he's when his slider is on, it's a plus bit. It's it befuddles hitters. They can't make contact with it really, unless he leaves it over the heart of the plate, but. The changeup and the fastball are just average, and he's always going to have home run problems. He always has. It's a, another Matthew Boyd situation where if that slider's working, he's got strikeouts. If not, he's in trouble. And uh, he pitched that slider was great, but it's still two home runs, and, and he'd like to be able to score more than three runs, but in that instance, it was it was not enough. But yeah, I think it's nice that he went out there and gave him some innings. That's what they want. That's why they said Turnbull down. We can discuss that. You you look at the war. You go ahead and look at Tiger's war. And who's the worst pitcher? It's Spencer Trimble. He he wasn't playing well. So they wanted somebody to give them more innings. And and Fido did that. I just, I don't know if I trust him yet to be able to do that every fifth day. But uh, I I certainly give him a couple more
0: starts after that one. Yeah. I know, Youper, you were down to see the mud ends. What else did you see down there? Any takeaways you had?
2: Just to verify what Rod is talking about, the pitching staff is just,
0: brutal. There's just no way around.
2: It. It's hard to envision a, a major league arm out of that bunch other than maybe Brendan White, but that's a reliever. The stars were all bad. The ones I saw, nobody impressed. Reese Olsen started out, he was throwing 97 in the first inning. Oh, okay. That's, not... that's pretty cool. But by the third inning, he was down to 93, 94. He doesn't maintain that velocity very long. And he was really all over the... He wasn't in the strike zone a lot. Walked some guys. Just didn't look the part. Maybe that guy in the first inning who was throwing bullets at 97 could become a reliever and become a useful arm. I think that's probably his path to the big leagues. Otherwise, that team is Meadows and Malloy and not much joy. That's where we are. So I was there to watch those two guys. They were fun to watch. My opinion on Malloy, but again, it's saw three times, so don't call me as an expert on Justin Henry Malloy. But just looking at him, he has kind of that same body type as Justin Upton. He has some of the same skills and characteristics of a, of a Kevin Euclid if we really dream big. And I'm glad I got to see him get six hits in a home run in the three games I saw. Because I I don't I don't want him to judge this off of him going 0 for 5 and say, oh, he sucks. Okay? I saw him have some good results. But the, the first two days, it was all ground balls. They went for hits, and that was fine. But I wasn't too stoked about that. But then I got to see him elevate a couple, and including the whole run, which was a bomb. That was good to see. He, he works the count. He got a couple of walks. He walked three times here yesterday in the game I didn't see. If you want to dream of him being Kevin Youkilis, I think you can. Is he more likely going to be like an average starter? Yes. I think that's probably where we'll be. I don't think a lot of fans think he's going to come in and jumpstart the Tiger offense or give them some help. I think if he does get called up in the next couple months, I think there's going to be a long adjustment phase. You got to remember Kevin Euclid took a couple of years before he became Kevin Euclid. Okay. He was just a guy for a while. And uh, I think Malloy can be a starter. I just don't know when,
0: and if if they want to wait a while, I'm fine with that too. Yeah. And then one other takeaway I had from the Mariners series is obviously the bullpen, I feel like it's been pretty taxed. They pitched six innings on Sunday. They've been relied on pretty heavily, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on the bullpen, how they perform so far throughout the season, and if you're a little bit worried on the mileage that they could have in the months to come with the Tigers not really getting a a lot of length out of their starting pitchers. Should we be a little concerned with this bullpen moving forward? Yeah,
3: I always worry about bullpens breaking down in August, September. It seems to happen to a lot of guys, and we've seen the limitations of a guy like Mason Engler, who. Knows how to pitch and has and really guts things out, but he doesn't. There are times when he just doesn't have a put-away pitch. And guys just, just, I was just that, that Cardinals game where they just, what it was like a 12 pitch at bat where they really got the, got the out and next pitch home run. We don't know exactly how much they're going to get no. out of him. Feels like Taylor Alexander isn't pitching at all these days. I don't know what it is, yeah. but he seems like that's, they're missing some in him. But I, I will say this the one thing they do seem to have. At Toledo, it's some interesting bullpen arms. Not necessarily on the 40-man roster right now, but if and when they need to dip into that, they still have Miguel Diaz down there. With Kervin Castro went on the I.L. the other day, I think. But Brendan White's down there. They uh, they have some interesting arms. Reese Olsen could be a bullpen guy if, if they choose to go that route. So I think they'll have some reinforcements in that regard, but uh, it wouldn't shock me if the bullpen does tire relatively soon.
1: By the way, I- a shout-out to Bloodright. Exquisite. For the $5. Thank you for the $5. I appreciate it. And yes. Good to the podcast. a friend of the podcast.
2: I thought Wentz's struggle, it was nice for Hinch that they had today off. You know, He was able to get him out of there in the third inning before the game got away from them. And then go to the bullpen and the bullpen did the job for him. But if, that, if today hadn't been a day off, I wonder if he would have tried to milk Wentz a little bit farther. <laughs> but it, it worked out really nice. That's just a game of inches. If Jonathan Scope can snare that bullet and a turn double play, the game is one nothing instead of three nothing. And maybe West keeps going. So that killed his outing. He went downhill quick after that play.
3: He, it, and yeah, you, you, you want more from Wentz. You kind of need more from Wentz. But it's it's also, you got to remember he's got 15 big league starts, right? He's still a really young pitcher, still figuring things out. It's been a roller coaster for him. When he's on, he looks good. Yep. And other times it doesn't look so good. You really, you you absolutely need more from Matthew Boyd. You paid him $10 million to be, I don't know, at least the number three, number four starter in your rotation, not the number three starter overall. (laughs) And you just, you need him to not go out there and and soil the the bed. So they need more from him in the future. It's been great. I, I feel fairly confident that their two best pitchers going right now are pitching in this series against Pittsburgh. You have to feel good about that coming into the series, but you're only as good as your next start.
0: Yeah, and Raj, did you have any thoughts on the bullpen?
1: No, to to add what Chris was saying and you were saying, they had some reinforcements, and we saw Castro when I saw him get hurt was last week, so they waited a while before they put him on the IL. But Miguel Diaz is pitching better as of late, but still, I don't think Miguel Diaz is your temper, like going to be a long term solution. And we they're getting out, Tyler Holden, Tyler Holden, I was I'll be honest, was not expecting very much, but he's been effective. And he's actually pitching better than Tyler Alexander. And at some point, you have to consider what they're going to do with a guy, like even like a guy like Austin Berdner, who had eight strikeouts and four innings of work, no no hit work in Iowa. And he's been pitching pretty solid all year, minus, I think, one bad relief appearance. But either way, I think if they're going to, I think what they're going to do is continue to, the guys like Sam Clay, they just signed. And Heath those, Embry. Those, yeah, Heath Embry. All these arms they've been signing—you'll see them at some point to relieve to give the bullpen some relief. That's I think that's why they've been going after these guys. Like,
3: and Freddie Pacheco will eventually come off the IL. Oh yeah, he's uh,
1: he's pitching. Good, good call, Chris. He's pitching bullpen I think this week.
3: And, and he's just, the guy with a big arm. It, it's he hasn't had as much success as you would expect out of a big arm, but it's certainly something to work with there.
1: Yeah, and I, again, one of those stupid things that I, the Cardinal way messed up there because. There's a lot of potential in that arm, and he was at one point like a top 15 prospect in their system. And they're just like, Meh. Mm-hmm. so they, I thought. They, I think, I think Chris, you said it, I think you were saying that they probably thought he was going to waivers unclaimed, and the Tigers pounced on that.
3: Yeah, he was injured, so they thought that he could probably sneak him through, and that team wouldn't bother with him. And, and the Tigers will take him, and then we'll put him on the sixty day. Good work. We'll see how it goes. They've actually done pretty good work with that level of acquisition so far case in point, Zach McKinstry, Andy Abanez, Tyler Holton, they've, they've performed well. It's the, unfortunately right now it's the, the May vierling acquisition. That's not working out terribly well. And that's one of those things where, you know, to your point, you were talking about Malloy a little bit and fans, everybody wants Malloy up. And what that amounts to is, is you're either going to have to get rid of Jonathan scope, which would probably be the move, I think, given the way that some <laughs> of the other guys are playing. But you're also, if you do that, you're also, I don't you're not necessarily saying goodbye to, to Nick Mayton, but you're, you're going to drastically reduce his playing time. And it's like, when, when do they want to give up on him? Because it's only like 125 plate appearances for him. And the first 40, 50 were great. The, the last 80 have been pretty bad. It's yeah. who's, who's the real player? Is he the guy we saw in spring training in the first part of the season? Is it, is it really an issue where he just can't hit any kind of breaking ball and they're just going to do that until he, he withers away and dies? It could be. But I don't know how long. Like you said, if, if they bring up Malloy, Mayton's playing time you might as well send him to Triple A, basically, because he's he's not going to play much. So I just don't know when they want to make that decision.
0: Yeah, yeah. And if, if Raj is the Cardinal way, part of the drinking game.
1: Yes, because now we're gonna, we're going to call it. We're going to call it the crappy way. That's what we're going to <laughs> gonna be the. I say I, the reason why too, is because I've been writing a lot of prospect stuff for Fansided. And I'm trying to, and also because we're talking about trade possibilities and Tigers and Eduardo Rodriguez and everything. But earlier, I socket to Robert Murray, who was the nat, one of the national writers over at FanSided, and I was, and he was, was just some in and Cardinal way, and he, Wait, you don't like the Cardinal way? I'm like, nope. And we just had a good laugh over it. So I showed him this, but yeah. So sorry, St. Louis fans, but I just made that for, and I made this for the Discord. I'm not sharing it on Twitter because I don't want. St. Louis fan. I there's a lot of good <laughs> St. Louis fans out there. Actually, I for the record, I like a lot of the Cardinals, but just the propaganda behind the Cardinal Way just seems so it's irritating to me because also admittedly I'm a little jealous because the Tigers try to do the same thing. On the Tiger way, and it's like, no, 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 no. Or the, or the the Dodger way. The Dodgers, you know what? They don't they don't ram it down the throw as much as they do about the Cardinal way, quote unquote.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I like the Astro and Tampa Bay way. I don't know if that's a thing, but I think they got a pretty good thing going. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. Raj, you were mentioned today in a fan-sided piece by the Cardinals. Oh, what'd he say? Hmm. He just mentioned you were, were talking about Eduardo Rodriguez. And then he put together an a, a Eduardo Rodriguez trade idea. I'd sign up for it in a minute. He said Matthew Liberatore and Tyler were Oh. Rodriguez. <laughs> that to me would be an instant yes. You just do it. You know, I don't true. think I don't think the Cardinals would ever do that. I don't think there's a chance. No. But I loved yeah. reading
1: it. <laughs> I want to dream. Well, I want to dream a world where Mason Wynn becomes a Tiger. I want to dream that world. That's the dream. That's a. That's a. That's a. That's a Roger. You're insane dream, and I'm fine with it.
3: I honestly, I would. I would probably. Re- I like Mason Wynn, but I'd rather have. Yeah, rather have Liberty O'Neill. Those guys have actually. Yeah, that's true. Like O'Neill has done it. What? Just that—that that to me—that's illustrates one point that we can't quite figure into trade market, which is the desperation level. If if you're a Cardinals fan and you see this offense right now, you see and, and Arenado seems to have caught fire. Goldschmidt is still a very good player. You see a, a team that's seemingly poised to win, but is not performing. They need pitching, and you know, this is not a situation where they're going to blow it up and trade everybody off. They, they want to compete, so they are desperate. And if they don't have, if they have guys who they they don't think can help them this year, maybe they'll overpay for a guy who can just to secure them. That's a little bit like not to get back to Malloy, but one year of Joe Jimenez for a potential everyday third baseman doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless you're a World Series contender and you feel like you don't have a place for this potential everyday third baseman and you do need another bullpen arm. So it's it's a desperation level, and I do think the Cardinals are pretty desperate right now. So. I, That would be a fun deal. I don't know if and when the Tigers will start entertaining those thoughts, but probably another month or two.
2: Over the weekend, I've been home a lot. And I've been thinking about stuff I've said in the past. And I'm really coming around to the idea that maybe it's unrealistic, but the Tigers should probably find a way to keep Eduardo Rodriguez. Let's face it. I've talked about it enough times. They have the money. They want to commit. They could do it. And he has a pretty good injury history. He doesn't. He doesn't. He answers the bell most of the time. He had his personal issues last year. I don't count that. But other than that, he, he he's he's a reliable guy. It's always hard though to commit when you're in the middle of an historic streak like this because we know he's not going to pitch this well forever. So what are you really buying? That is the only hit. The only trepidation I have is that it looks so wonderful right now. If you commit to it, we'll see what happens. But when it's all said and done, I think they need to decide, hey, we want to build around this guy. He can be a potential pillar of a rotation that we can compete with.
0: Yeah, I don't know. What comes to mind for me is like the Zach Wheeler deal because Zach Wheeler was a guy who really didn't break out until he got that big contract. And the Phillies kind of banked on the fact that he was going to be good into his early to mid-30s, and that worked out for them. It's the same thing with Eduardo Rodriguez. Do you think his best pitching days are ahead of him, or are they behind him? Uh, but I think the good thing for the Tigers is they have all the leverage in Eduardo Rodriguez deal because they can simply just keep him and look to extend him and build around him as a veteran for the future. I think he's a guy that isn't a high-velocity guy. I think he's he could age fairly well for the Tigers and be a pretty effective pitcher into his mid-30s. Yes, we did have a question on Eduardo Rodriguez and trade options. I feel like we've already gotten into it, so we can just address the question now. Like, what kind of players, teams? Is there a certain like mold player, like a mold of a player you think Scott Harris is trying to get? Is it a guy that's ready to contribute at the major league level, or is it a guy a couple years away? Is it obviously is it going to be hitters? Is it going to be pitchers? Give me some yes. names, some teams. <laughs> Do you guys have any names, any teams for Eduardo Rodriguez?
2: Personally, I would just, the Tigers have enough holes. To me, it doesn't matter. Get talent. They need talent. They need winning baseball players. Okay? I don't care what they do. You can say, oh, you don't need a first baseman because of Torkelson. Maybe you will. I don't know. Take whoever, I would take the best players they can get. I don't care who they are. I don't care what position they play.
3: You were you there for in Iowa for the Ben Brown start? Yes, impressive. Now, yes, that guy looked really good. Yes, so that's what I like with the Cubs. I was just like the Cubs might—they just sent Wisniewski down. They have Hendricks coming back up, but maybe at some point Riley breaks. They they want a lefty. They're playing better than we thought. Eduardo Rodriguez, give me Ben Brown and Chris Morrill. Throw him in there, and sure. yeah, some have some fun. Those are not like top one hundred prospects, but they're
2: talented guys. Oh, Ben Brown. He was rattling off 96 miles of power fastballs like a metronome into the fifth inning. He, unlike Olsen, maintained velocity almost exact the whole way. He was really around the zone. Change up, just flummoxed a couple guys. Very, very
1: impressive. I, 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 he was the best pitcher I saw this week. You probably watched that game, a lot of it on on TV, and I was just like, who, who is this guy? And then Chris filled me in. They got him from the Phillies. But he looked dominant. Toledo had no chance against him. The only person who did anything of subs- substance was Malloy. And, yeah,
3: ground ball. Uh, this, this is one of those times. Where, not to go off on a, a side tangent here, but but one of the things we were discussing earlier today was about the uselessness of top 100 pitching prospects. Uh, some of them come up and are good, right? But other guys like Grayson Rodriguez was the top 100, top 10 prospect forever. He got blasted today. A lot of the pitchers who come up and have success are guys who just. Rock it up to the majors out of nowhere before the prospect list can even reflect it. And we we're I was talking about Spencer, Spencer Strider, Strider. Mason Miller, the kid from the A's, was not a top 100. Bryce Miller, who we just saw, he was 100th heading into the season for Baseball America. Did that look like the 100th prospect in baseball? <laughs> it's some of these dudes. it just, it clicks for them and they're gone. Like I Walker Bueller was that way. I think I do think he was ranked pretty highly right before he came to the big leagues, but there's there's some guys that just take off and, and I don't know maybe Ben Brown wouldn't something like that in the big leagues. That's the sort of trade where you they they get a guy and people go he's not even a top 100 prospect and you go yes it doesn't matter look at him. Yeah. So anyway, change it over.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I looked at obviously the Cardinals. I think they're the team that's been rumored the most. They have Dylan Carlson and Alec Burleson, two guys that are I think 24 years old. Both of them are contributing at the major league level. Maybe the Cardinals would trade from a strength of a place of strength. Another team I was looking at was the Astros. We know Luis Garcia went down this season with injury. Looking at their top prospects, Drew Gilbert, Jacob Melton, and Colin Barber, all 22 years old, all outfielders. I don't know if the Astros are going to be able to keep all three of those and, and find a spot for them in their outfield. They still have Kyle Tucker. Um so maybe one of those guys are expendable if the Astros want to make a trade for a, a frontline starter. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. Chris, did you have something?
3: No, sorry. I was just uh, oh. rubbing <laughs> my hands together. No, you, wait. Uh, the
0: good
2: the good news is with all those teams you list, John, is the Tigers can, if they put him out there, probably drum up a market for him, a, a, some bidding instead of just having to focus on one customer. And that's to their advantage if that happens. Because we can make a plausible reason why a lot of people would need a Rodriguez and if he keeps having a, a sub 2 ERA everyone's going to want him so how long can he maintain this incredible streak is probably the next the thing to consider when does the when does the clock hit midnight on him
1: yeah or a, a team another team that i like is the brewers because they have a guy down in double a carlos rodriguez so rodriguez for rodriguez he's off to a pretty he's put up some pretty good numbers and i haven't really just outside of seeing some of his numbers, I know that he is one of the best starters down in Double A in the Southern League, posting the uh, ERA at 1.88, FIPA 2.78. And the, so, I believe he's in the league, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, is that, that's the league in, in buxy that's the hitter-friendly league, right? The Southern League? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I believe it's eight,
3: one of the, it's not as, as big as the Pacific Coast League, but there are some was it San Antonio's down there, I think, is the Southern League. And maybe that's the Texas League. I don't know. I get confused by all the state. But, yeah, it, it, pitching well. in basically, if you're pitching well outside of the Midwest League or the Florida State League, then you're interesting.
1: Yeah, the, that's what Mason Aikler, that's a right. prime example of that. Oh, and, uh, by the way, Stan heard on the Evan Petzold podcast with our uh, old friend of the show, the friend to three of, of the four people, maybe two of the four of the people in the show, Mark Gurosh. Evan <laughs> mentioned that Tyler O'Neal for term, and they're both Boris clients, and that makes a lot of sense. Tyler O'Neal, for whatever reason, they don't like him in St. Louis. I, I just, it is bizarre how they've treated Tyler O'Neill. I know he was a little banged up, but it just seems like he can't do anything right, even though he's done, and this is a guy who I've, I've, I've said that I've been on a Tyler O'Neal bandwagon. I started that training three years ago because of his defensive metrics, and he put the, together a pretty good offensive season. So they threw in Tyler O'Neill, and again, take a pitching prospect in there because I think to, I think Detroit still needs another starter or two in their system. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. Again, I want Detroit. Detroit's not to me, and from what I know and what I hear, Detroit's not going to. They're, they're going to wait to last possible minute to make a trade. They're going to wait. They're not going to make a trade right now. They're going to see how they are at the trade deadline. This team in a sh- crappy division is being competitive. Again, you have the Royals, you have the White Sox. You haven't even played the, you haven't, the only division opponent you've played is you start playing the Twins next week. That's it. They haven't, they've been playing Cleveland. So, I'd like to see how they shape up against, I'm sure the team wants to see how they shape up against some of the division rivals before they make a trade. So, uh, yeah, blood right. yes. Quite frankly, yes. I would love to see a Rodriguez for Marcelo Meyer, but that would be a that, that's one of those trades where it's a fan. That's a if you have a the game or the it will be the show gate that you can do that trade and force the trade. But, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I don't know. Another team I looked at was the Diamondbacks. They're a team that's been competitive in the NOS. Other than Zach Gallen, they had an inconsistent rotation behind him. So just another option for Eduardo Rodriguez. But yeah, I definitely think there's going to be a lot of teams that are interested in Erod. But if we want to get into the Tigers' next opponent, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're coming to town for a two-game set. Tigers are having their two best pitchers on the mound as of late. Michael Lorenzen, Game 1, and Eduardo Rodriguez. Game 2, the Pirates will send Luis Ortiz to the mound. I'm not familiar with him. And then Rich Hill, who I know pitched against the Tigers last year when he was with the Red Sox for Game 2. Uh, for the Pirates, they're a team that struggled in the month of May, had a really surprising month of April. So you I want to get your thoughts on the Pirates and Tigers series. Is it is it realistic to expect two wins out of this series? Or what do you think we could see from the Pirates coming into America? Hold oh, on. I guess they could easily win two
2: games. Yeah. The Pirates have fallen on hard times. Probably a little bit predictable. When you look at that roster, they were, what, 18 and 8? Eight, and everybody was like, hey, the Pirates, man, they played well. Don't get me wrong. But now I think they're 2 and 8 in their last 10. Maybe 5 and 10 of their last 15. So they're they're struggling. So the Tigers could certainly pounce on them for a couple wins. This Ortiz fellow is making his second start of the year. So he's a young pitcher. And then Rich Hill, who knows? Certainly he has the soft stuff. He could he could tantalize some of the Tiger hitters and drive them nuts. Or he may be one of those days where he's hanging every curve in the zone. We'll just have to see. But I think the biggest thing is the Tigers are missing Mitch Keller. And that's always a plus because he's their best guy. So sure, they can win a couple games
0: what about you chris yeah it's an
3: interesting uh, dichotomy there louis ortiz is, is a prospect he's a very interesting prospect but but a lot of people think he might end up in the bullpen because everything's hard he's he averages 97 with a fastball ups like 90 91 sliders like 87 88 so it's they're just geared up for some hard stuff and and that's actually the tigers generally do pretty well against guys like that even if it's got a wrinkle on it when then you got rich hill whose fastball is 87 miles per hour and and Fortunately, one of the two players in Major League Baseball who's older than me still, which makes me happy. But yeah, it, 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 traditionally speaking, you would expect the, the Tigers to get to the guy who throws harder and, and, and struggle against the guy who throws the soft stuff. But I do the pitch matchups, And the Pirates, as you talked about, the last two weeks, their offense has been non-existent. They were carried early on by Jack Sawinski and Connor Joe. And you know, these are guys who have interesting tools, but not consistent track records. And now their best player, probably Andrew McCutcheon which they say he's a great player, but at, at the tail end of his career, so you wouldn't come from him there. I don't know if necessarily he might catch something from from Erod and send it over the wall, but, yeah, I think it's a pretty good matchup for the Tigers.
0: It's just, you
3: know, got to go out there and play and execute still.
0: Yeah, I think for the Pirates, I was looking at some stats for them in the month of May. They're hitting like 180 as a team. With a 550 OPS, which I think this is going to be a game or series that we might not see a lot of runs scored. The Tigers' offense kind of came back down to earth against the Mariners. Only had one home run in that three-game series. But for you, Raj, what are you expecting out of this series? What can we see from the Pirates coming into Comerica?
1: The Pirates started playing people that are good, and they they got swept by they got swept by the Rays. They got swept by Toronto. They got their asses kicked in Toronto. And if you look at their April schedule, they played. The Reds, White Sox, both the Red Sox and White Sox. The Reds, they lost two out of three against the Astros. They played the Cardinals when they were struggling. They swept the Rockies. Yay. <laughs> but, and then you play the Nationals. And so, yeah, of course, you're going to have a pretty good sk- You're going to have a pretty good record when you face those teams. But, again, they, then they lose at home to the Rockies 10-1 last week. But then it gets the Orioles, just look listless. They're shut out back-to-back games. They're coming into they're coming into the series. They haven't scored a run since Friday, mm. so they're trying to be very aggressive early tomorrow. But I, I think the Pirates are showing what they are, which is I think they're a good team, but they're not their record. What they are, and again, it's just it's a matter of strength of schedule. The Tigers had the opposite. Tigers were getting had a jail sex type of schedule, where the Pirates were really kind of. Government, jail, easy schedule kind of thing. So,
3: consensual jail sex.
1: Yeah, consensual jail sex. Thank yes. you, Chris.
0: Oops. Um, can we can we monetize that? <laughs>
1: the bucks were, the bucks
0: you pay, pay with cigarettes.
1: Yeah, yeah. The yeah. bucks are the bucks are getting buff boo food now. Uh,
2: but
3: yeah, I I, I don't know. It, it's it's the tigers tigers fans are are generally excited. But, I think right now about the team playing better than we expected. And it's still like I'm on the bottom five offenses in baseball, but considering who they were playing and, and, and some of the teams they saw that, that is their reason for optimism. Now you just gotta, gotta go beat the teams. You should beat, And, and the pirates actually have a plus run differential right now. The Tigers do not, but I think if you look at who's been playing better over the last two weeks, it's certainly the Tigers. So you gotta go win those games and you gotta go take bears business, take care of business against Washington.
0: Yeah. Three games against Washington after that. So. Hopefully the Tigers can reach 500. Um, that'd be nice to see. We had a conversation on the last podcast about if they would finish the month of May at or above 500. And I think me, Chris, and Cameron all said they would. But, yeah, that's all we have for the Pirates. Raj, I know I'm hosting, but are we, do you want to do the season grades or do you want to do a little teaser for Thursday? Season grades? All right. So we are, I think it's 39 games into the season, about the yeah, 40 like a, mark.
1: Yeah, like a real quick grade thing. Just not We're not going to spend too much time on it because we're going to... I I, I want to do an article on it. But yeah, we can tease a little bit about Thursday, too. But yeah, we'll do quick grades. But as you were, John, go ahead.
0: Yeah, Chris, What? so 39 games in, give us your grade for the Tiger season so far. Oh, boy. I thought they would win about 70 games. I think they're on
3: pace for about 72. So well, that's a C plus, B minus for me, I guess. I, I've been... The offense has still been struggling. Nice to see the three big bats come together the last couple of weeks to produce. Erod has obviously been great, better than I expected. Lorenzen has been better than I expected. Other than that, and then the bullpen's been better than I expected. It, it's been pleasantly good. I, I not an A plus, not an A, me,
2: but C plus B minus. Defense has been good. Yeah, better than I thought. All right, you it goes C is an average team, right? They're a below average team, so I got them C minus D plus. Somewhere in there, there are some positives and there's always going to be positives. Even the worst teams have some positives. So it's it's great fun to watch Rodriguez pitch. It's been good to see Riley Green take some steps forward the last couple of weeks. But overall, again, it's a sad sack offense. It's a pitching staff that's, they're they're, they're held together by bailing wire. Will they stick to stick it out? Who knows? So yeah the young guys come through within the second half, they can raise that grade. But I got to say about a
1: D-plus right now.
0: All right, Rash?
1: I can't believe I'm going to be the optimist here. Out of all, Tactically, I'm still that way. But honestly, I give them a B, just over a B-minus, and I'll tell you why. One, the start of the season was horrendous. It was it was absolutely horrendous. But this team has shown, comparatively speaking, the last year, a lot more character in terms of fighting back, getting into the game's and getting stuff from Zach McTentry, who we all thought was not going to do much. Again, nine, you bet under a hundred when you get somebody from spring training, you're not expecting much. And with the strikeout numbers the way they are, and Chris Feder deserves an Academy Award for what he's done with the bullpen. I mean, maybe an Academy Award. I don't know. He deserves a Nobel Peace Prize or something. Like what he's been, he's been really to me done with the bullpen, with the emergence of Lang and Foley, that. That's that's masterclass right there to me. Lang has cut down his walks, he's been just lights out, fully same thing. And like uh, Mason Engler, you, if you were to tell me that Mason Engler would be trusting these situations, and look at his numbers against high leverage situations, he does extremely well, and they've been able to maximize his changeup and his slider. So, uh, I think and I, I understand why Uper being tough because, quite frankly, yes, there have been times that this offense looks. And the defense looks a little sloppy at times, at times, early on. But if I, if I, if the first two weeks of April didn't happen, this team, it'd be a different story. But again, we can't, we can't change that. But out of the, all the baseball I've watched so far in AL Central, the Tigers, Tigers baseball is actually been somewhat tolerant. You look at the White Sox, you look at that whole crap show right now where Luis Roberts and, and all that too. It's there's such a there's such a a sham everywhere else outside of the Turnbull stuff which is Trimble drama which is justified I think the Tigers have overcome quite a bit and so to me if they were still playing the way they were before I would be a little harder but I don't know they they took again they took a game out of Seattle which I did not expect them to do because Seattle looked really good Friday and Saturday but uh, overall the bullpen is again Chris Fetter is a damn genius Chris Fetter Listen, Chris Fetter should have, tr- you know, how they have all those uh, Willie Horton statues out there. Chris Fetter should have his own statue. It's just him, like, just, uh, hands cr- folded like this, just smiling. Because he doesn't <laughs> say much anyways. When you see him, when I saw him in Lakeland, when it was his family, he's just a quiet guy anyway. But you know what? It's just, just I want him out there. Or even him with, like, a, a clipboard like this going, or, like, just with a thumbs up. Chris Fetter with a thumbs up. <laughs> that would be fine by me, because that guy... Out of all the pitching, like, any pitching coach I've ever seen, I mean, Roger Craig gets a lot of credit for the little bit of split-finger fastball, Jack Morris, Dan Petrie in 84. Chris Futter has done more because he's done more with less. So, anyway.
0: Yeah, I'd be right there with you, Reg. I'd probably give him a B. Like, there's been ups and downs, surprises and disappointments throughout the major league roster. The only thing I would add, though, is why my grade isn't higher is the minor leagues. I feel like some players down in the minors have been a little disappointing, like Parker Meadows, Andre Lipsius, Wilmer Flores, Reese Olson, Ty Madden. All really haven't d- picked up what they did last season and improved on that. So that's why my grade would be a little bit lower, is because just looking at the organization as a whole, some guys that we hoped would continue to develop have struggled a little bit. Now, if you're gonna throw that into the mix,
1: I disagree with you on. I disagree with you on Parker Meadows and Andre Lipsius because was again I know spring training you have to you have to erase spring training for your mind Parker Meadows the reason why he's down he didn't start the team this year down with the majors is because he can't hit lefties and he still can't hit lefties and Lipsius goes through these bouts where he will be very different a while and then he just goes into the toilet for a little bit and then he comes back up well,
2: he's in there now
1: yeah he's in there now he is way in there right now he's under <laughs> batting almost 150 in the last couple of weeks but I as far as Ty Madden goes Ty Madden's actually improved from last year to me. There's been signs of more swing and miss stuff. You got surprises from Cole Keith's just continue. I mean he's struggling right now but he's still doing pretty well. Roberto Campos, Chris and I have we can we had a Roberto Campos poster It'd be right here right in front of me. I Roberto Campos is the truth. Yeah, it's been disappointing Christian Santana and Lakeland don't even get me started on Lakeland. Lakeland's a, Lakeland's a mess. But nevertheless Guys like Justice Bigby, who won the Midwest Player of the Week Award, have been performing well. They've been getting some really good performances from Dylan Dingler. But Dingler, glad you mentioned him, Harrison. Dingler is back to struggling a little bit this week. But still, the upside's there. The upside is there. And hopefully he just picks it back up this week when they go to Harrisburg to take on the Sanders. But I, I've been a big fan of some of the guys you may not have heard of, Bigby or Corey Joyce. Corey Joyce has been hitting the ball pretty well in Toledo. Another story, too, you can talk about among the pitchers. I don't know about you, Chris, but I like Dario Gardeta's numbers. I looked at him earlier today. He's pitching better since he got off the I.L. as of late. And then West Michigan, too. West Michigan's got a couple of arms down there. The West Michigans, they have the best run differential in the Midwest League, and they're just a game back of the Great Lakes Loon. So there's a lot to like in West Michigan right now. There's a lot, it's just a total team effort there. A lot of guys, are Reddys, Youngs, Young, Jace young, young has been hitting better. He batted over 300 this week, so there's a couple of things you can hang on in the system for that are are, are positives.
3: Yeah, but it, it seems the three of us are are basically grading on a curve, and you is not, which is fine. We're grading. We're, we we've been on Avila. We're grading on the Avila curve. We we expected expected a D. We started with an F. And they've been playing C B baseball lately. So we grade on the curve there. But yeah, overall it's, it's not a good baseball team. They're just not failures right now. So we're bumping up the grades. I, I understand all the grades that we gave. As far as the minor league system goes, it's just early still. They're there. I consider what Roberto Campos is doing this year to be as impressive as any kind of breakout we saw last year. The numbers aren't quite there yet because there's some refinement, that gave, but I, I am just so impressed with that kid. Even though he had a brutal, <laughs> a brutal game on on defense when we went and saw him, but uh, yeah, I, it's I think by July there'll be some other players. who are like, I don't know, this guy's kind of interesting. Like basically, right now the breakouts are Compost and, and Kyder Montero, um, and Montero I think is a guy that that will get added to the forty man roster after the season. So that's some kind of breakout there, if you will. Good call, so. Chris.
1: Yeah, good call, Montero. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But any, yeah, do any of these guys at the lower level, are they really going to be able to make an impact as like an everyday player for the Tigers? I think like people that have been upset with the farm system, I think they look at that top end talent and none of them have really broken out or taken a step forward. And that's why I think some people might be a little disappointed with the farm system.
1: And yeah, to be fair, they have every right to be because the Tigers still haven't had a regular starter. That have been at every regular starter of above a two war, and they still haven't done that, and yeah, you have a right to be skeptical. I'm still skeptical, but as far as down in West Michigan, compost is a good story. Danny Soretti might be a guy that a utility bat someday like a a bench bat if he continues to progress. Young's got some potential there, and in terms of pitchers down there too, there could be a number of possibilities there among their their pitching staff and I don't know Lakeland's a different story Lakeland. Lakeland doesn't look good right now, no, but it honestly chris I, I chris i don't I'm trying my hardest not to be a negative or not to be a dick about Lakeland, but it's Troy Melton maybe, but it's right, right now it's carrier yeah right there's
3: th- there's not yeah, maybe somebody will break out down there, but no i I, I will just revert back to Campos Campos is a different player than I expected he the main thing that, that is standing out to me is he is not swinging and missing in the zone. If you throw pitches in the zone, he's hitting them and hitting them hard. There's, there's a little of them, a little too much on the ground, but he's hitting a lot of line drives and with a lot of power and he's not overly aggressive outside. He doesn't chase a ton. He's just got a lot better plate in this one than I expected. But to me, that's that's a great start. And if he continues that way, he's going to refine it further and start to to pick up on the ball so that he can really drive and the ones that he can leave alone. And uh, yeah, I, I think he's got everyday corner outfielder upside. Honestly, I there's no need to rush him, but if he produces this year, it wouldn't shock me if he gets like an, an August call up to Double A when he's barely 20 years old. So I, I, yeah, I've i been really impressed with him. We bumped him up to five on our about 25 prospect list, I think, based on the, the first couple weeks. But yeah, beyond that, it, it's tough. It's tough. It, it, I don't see anybody in the system who projects as an above average regular. We love Keith's bat. We like Malloy's bat. I, we like Parker Meadows. Those are those are all interesting guys. But yeah, I mean, it, nobody looks, nobody has that like Riley Green. Hey, if, if it works, she's an all-star, or MVP candidate level stuff right now.
1: There one. Before I forget, I did write today about Trey Cruz because Trey Cruz's numbers are interesting because he is hitting for a lot more power, and he's cut back on even trying to pull the ball. He's been going up the center more, and he's been much more aggressive in the strike zone. Trey Cruz is third second or third in the system at home runs. He's been he's been quietly having a good year. A lot of those mistakes he's making before, he's adjusting the double-A pretty well. So, Trey Cruz, again, is he a regular? I don't know. But it, it's just another to keep your eye on.
0: All
3: right. Who drives up something Chris? Something is, I mean, I, I don't...
0: I, we'll talk about it off air.
2: Oh. Okay.
0: All right. Yeah, do we have anything else to add, though? Any other... Questions, comments, concerns.
1: Did Nick? Sp- didn't Nick Splane have a question?
0: Yeah, it was the E-Rod
3: question. We kind oh. of together. there. There was a Ninja, Ninja Beast had a question for us too. I think on on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I can right. pull that up. And there are a bunch of questions in there here on the air in the side chat. Yeah, posted. we always
0: we always get in this.
3: <laughs> Somebody asked about malloy's splits how he hits against right-handers i actually think he probably hits better against right-handers and left-handers at least i'm looking checking right now yeah so he has a 1029 ops and an 821 against lefties 1029 against righties because i've talked about it before the weird thing about malloy his weakness seems to be breaking balls on the inside third and then fastballs away and and that's not something like break balls from a right-hander, basically front-door slider, which is a yeah. very rare pitch. You don't see that a ton.
2: The home but, run that he hit yesterday was well, kind of an awkward-looking swing. He, he yeah. lurched out. He went out and got it, and he just flicked his wrists, uh, and he pulled it over the left-field
1: wall. It was, it was softball, softball swinging away. Like, yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. a bit of
2: a fence scraper, and, the, yeah. and that's fine. It, but I thought it was impressive that he adjusted. Like you could tell he was fooled, but he went out and got it, and he, he muscled it over. I also liked that he hit it off of Hendricks because Hendricks made him look terrible on Tuesday. <laughs> he really did. And to come back and get a couple of hits off him, a few days later, I thought it was a good adjustment against a major leaguer.
0: Yeah. So I do have the question from Deadly Ninja Beast. So the first question was about the Fangraphs list of the Tigers prospects. Did you guys see that? And I just wanted to know your thoughts and opinions on it. Yeah, I looked at today.
3: Did you see you? it, you see Rose?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. Typical, cool. I was looking at it earlier. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I probably had, would have had
3: Malloy a little higher. I my my the, the two takeaways I had, it I think basically everybody was in the correct tier for the most part. He didn't have Winslow Perez in his top thirty four, which I thought was a little bit odd. Yeah, given what we saw from Perez last year and, and some of his skills. Now he does have some warts, and there, there's the lingering back issues, which caused an issue there or some, some concern. But to not have him, I don't know. I I think he's a better prospect than that. And I hate to be so negative, but but he had Donnie Sands as, as like the twenty first prospect in the system.
1: What the and fifty a, grade hit tool?
3: What kind of 50 what, grade what, hit what, tool. what? So that's that's the thing though. If you look at Donnie Sands' performance every year before this year, he, he's been a hitter. But everything I've seen from him this year looks like a guy who, who can't hit and will ever hit. It's a big leg kick. He's off balance. He doesn't seem to hit the ball hard. I don't know what it is. So that one just was confusing to me. But he might have a longer track record with with donnie sands and and i don't want to bury the kid it just he doesn't strike me as much of a prospect at all he's 27 already
2: yeah i saw him get a double on a walk one night but it was a lucky double he forced it down the first baseline i thought he was half fooled on the pitch but he snuck it in there and got a double really wasn't anything impressive
1: no as far as the it was it was good to see another list too because i've been looking at i did an article for a. I created like this the fan side of 15, which is just taking the MLB pipeline, baseball America, and doing the averages and doing our own thing. Cole Keith number one, hey, you're welcome for being trendsetters because, you know, that's what we do. But uh, I had, I get Peyton Graham at number 10 was also where I was like, I don't know about that. And then they had yeah, Pacheco. I mean, what? Oh, go ahead.
3: Go ahead. No, you go ahead.
1: I was going to say they had Pacheco at number four, Freddie Pacheco at number 14, which if you think about it, that actually makes a lot of sense because Pacheco is a big arm and he did do well. And he was high up in St. Louis system, but I haven't seen him, so I, therefore I wouldn't know where to rank him here. But yeah, the other one I had a, a problem with was, or not a problem necessarily. Maybe where he was ranked at was Jackson Joba number five. And that's because again, I just I'm starting to sour on that immediately. Yeah. Oh, you, you guys go
3: ahead. Go ahead guys.
2: Some of the more negative people out there will look at the fact that Freddie Pacheco is number 14, that he's been cut and hurt <laughs> and, and okay. say that that oh, doesn't look so good. But well, I understand there's a skill level there that that's more important, but I just find that kind of amusing.
0: But,
2: go ahead, John. No, I wasn't going to say that.
3: I, the, the only other thing I, I wanted to mention is this is the first time we've had any kind of real scouting report on Raylan Perez who's a guy that we followed a lot last year because of his, his his really good stat line down in the Dominican Summer League, but it's the Dominican Summer League. It's just stats. We we didn't know. And, and beyond seeing his video clips that he put up on his own Instagram, there's not really any scouting information out there because he was not a high-priority international signing. And we don't get to go down and see the Dominican. We can't. We'd love to. We're not allowed to. And the game's aren't on TV, so we really had no idea. So it was, it was nice to get that. He basically said he's... He compared him to Workman and Pridler, basically, as it's kind of a lot of swing and miss, but a very exciting, which is good to hear. And we'll see that. He also has Abel Bastidas on there. It was one of my kind of breakout guys before the season. He hasn't played, so that kind of makes me feel rough. But it's nice to get a couple other interesting names on there who weren't, they weren't on our top 25 just because we haven't, same with Freddy Pacheco. We haven't seen him pitch really. And, and maybe that's a, a mistake on our part, but just if we haven't seen the guy pitch and don't know what he looks like, it's tough to, to rank him.
1: Yeah, I, I you know what I I don't regret that at all. I think that again, by default, by putting somebody because they're up on somebody else's list, I would rather everybody we pretty much have on our list we've seen more than once, and that, I think that just adds a credibility. Because call me call me an idiot, whatever you want, I don't care. That's fine. But to me, I just think having enough video and enough of us out there versus I saw Pacheco pitch. When I get read right up on him, and I thought he looked really good, but again, it's Triple A Memphis he was pitching for, and and towards the end of the year, where you know a lot of those guys are pretty much seasons even their white flag a little. bit.
0: Yeah, I did see a question from Alex in the chat. The MLB Pipelines updated list. I did see that, and I saw Jackson Joe was left off the top 100. But I know you guys aren't a, a big fan of them, but that was the one <laughs> list I did look at.
3: It's hard, it's hard to keep somebody on the top 100 when when they're a pitcher. They haven't pitched much and they weren't terribly good last year. And now they're injured. It's like, you got to really have a lot of faith in that guy too. So I don't blame them. If he comes back and looks good, like the reports were, the Tigers were really happy with the way he looked before the season, which was nice. And and we saw him make a lot of progress last year. He seemed yeah. to talk, talk the talk. He understood what he needed to do, how to shape his pitches, how to change them to, to make them most effective. So there's a lot there. To, it just it wasn't quite there. And now back injuries scare me more than just about anything but a shoulder. I, I don't know what to think of. If Job comes back and looks good, we'll move him up our list, I think, probably, Excellent. and and other people probably will too, but it's a big if right now.
0: Yeah, and then the second part to Deadly Ninja Beach question was just about Spencer Turnbull and what his future could hold with the Detroit Tigers. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I personally think that if you're...
1: Trying to maximize when you're going to be a free agent, I think you're you're pretty much telling the tiger say I, I don't want to be here anymore. Maybe that's my interpretation of it. I could be wrong. And maybe he is thirty. People do forget that he's not a, he's not a spring chicken. Yeah, really. I I don't know. Like it's even this the whole situation is just strange. I think he just didn't he didn't want to be sent down and said they called like he pitched with a neck injury. That's what pitchers do. Pitchers will until they're physically ranked, pulled out of there. They're not going to want to leave. So, again, was he, I don't even want to understand. If the numbers weren't indicating he was a good pitcher, take the L, I guess, but people have, they have a lot of pride, so there you go.
2: Yep. I think fences can always be mended. If there's, if there's indeed a rift, okay. And I know some of that seems a more media generated than, than Twitter generated, than what they actually put out there. Everything can be solved if he pitches better, (laughs) but if he gets healthy and gets his chance and contributes, things will be fine. If he continues to struggle, then, you know, they're going to keep playing this up, that there's a problem with him. Why? He's a reliever. Shouldn't that be where he is? I think we've seen enough now over the years. He's, he's 30 years old. He's not going to be an every fifth day starter and have any sustained run of success he would have had it by now whether that's to bad luck injury poor performance don't care just hasn't happened i think it's time he needs to decide what he wants to do for a career in his 30s and that's probably being an eighth inning reliever
0: yeah and if they were to want to trade him it really just wouldn't make sense because his trade value is probably at a all-time low right now he's not pitching well. He's just coming off Tommy John. It just wouldn't make sense for the Tigers to want to move him because they're just not going to be getting equal value in return. I feel like. Yeah, we briefly discussed this last night, but I, I just, I think I see both
3: sides of it. I, I, like I said, I, he was the worst pitcher on the Tigers right now. They needed upgrade. They thought there was something for him to work on, which is totally understandable. At the same time, like I'm sure he was not terribly happy about the, the prospects of pushing back his free agency even another year. Which could be his, what will be his only real payday. And who knows what he can get. If he, if he came back and was pitching great, you're, you're, if you lose a year, you're talking about losing somewhere between five and $15 million, possibly. So Matthew Boyd get $10 million this year, right? So you can get a, a decent amount of money on a free agent market yeah. if you're a solid pitcher. So you obviously want to combat against that. But, the Rodgers' point, yeah, like I, I think he was probably battling through an injury that could have put him on the I.L. Lots of players have injuries that could put them on the I.L. I think he probably could have continued pitching without going on the I.L., if you will. I think this is a compromise. So it's a way to get him to make those starts at Toledo and make those adjustments that he needs to make without costing him service time. And I'm surprised, and maybe more teams do do this, but I'm surprised we don't see it more often. And hopefully he does figure it out, and, and he comes back and, and pitches well. And yeah, then they can trade him.
0: Yeah, that that'd be my hope too. But yeah, anything else you guys want to add, Raj? You have anything for Thursday's show? Any spoilers, teasers? Anything else we got? Just tune
1: in. There you go. Nine o'clock Thursday. Tune in. We'll be back for previewing the upcoming series against the Nationals and the. G. Candelario Revenge Tour. No, yeah, there's just today, and Thursday, and I will be down there tomorrow and Wednesday. It's about time to get out the schneid, if you will, and head back and go do some stuff. But yeah, I would recommend also going to TigerMindlyReport.com and check out all of our great articles that we're posting. I know we have a StatCast article coming out soon. Jerry did a really good job with the Bash Brothers article, so please check that out. I know people were laughing who's the thing about Calling Spencer Trickelson and Riley Green the Bash Brothers, but <laughs> if you read the article, if you read the
0: article, then you'll yeah. see that
1: it's him being objective.
0: All right, and then for our Pistons fans tomorrow draft lottery, wish your fellow Piston fans luck. And if they get if, if they get in the get pick,
3: ready, they know that- Oh, they're yeah, they're going to get the pit pick and they're going to get Jerayce Walker, and everybody's going to embrace four man's beef stew. That's what's going to happen. You <laughs> ready?
1: Yeah, San Antonio's going to get that first pick. San Antonio's like it's, it's kind of like a pop. We got you.
3: They've got a I don't know. 50% chance, basically 50 50 that they're going to either top four pick or the fifth pick. So, point flip.
0: Yep. My reaction will be on Twitter tomorrow. I'll either be really happy or really upset. So, should be fun, though. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think that's all we got for you guys tonight. We'll see you back on Thursday from the crew at Motor City Metrics.